everyone. It is episode six of Love Essie, the podcast. That's right, episode six. Um, I'm very excited because I'm like, oh my god, look at me. I've been recording and keeping up with my readings, kind of, sort of, but whatever. And I'm in episode six, which means I only have four more to get to episode 10. And then 10 more to get to episode 20. uh, You know, math. Anyway, um, as I mentioned last week, uh, this week I'm going to focus on Caressed by Ice, which is book three in the Side Changeling series. Um, Now, the week before, I had thought that I was some sort of superhero and I could read both books and do visions of he and caressed by eyes, and that's not what happened, so I took my time, not so much took my time, but you know, did things like eat and sleep and go to work, and finished off caressed by ice so that I could talk about it this week, Um, and I'm really excited to talk about this book, because this book, we, we sort of get a whole new perspective in, in this world, um, and things are sort of flipped around um, in a way that we haven't seen yet up until this point. So as it was the case in the last episode, I'm going to try to do the first portion as spoiler-free as possible for a book that came out like a while ago. And then I'm going to pause and I'm going to come back and be like, spoiler, 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 spoiler. So if you're like, I hate spoilers, you will skip that section because I'll tell you when to skip it and uh you'll be okay and if you don't care about this shit you'll keep reading and then at the end I want to talk about something that um so earlier today I listened to uh Shelf Love's mini-sode with um oh no I forgot her name and I like had it already I even practiced saying it earlier and I like totally blanked like a five-year-old with Kenny. Sorry. Sorry. So anyway, earlier I listened to the Shelf Love mini show with Kenny about secret baby trope. And as I was listening to them talk about it, it reminded me of a book I read more than once. I've read um, this book several times that like fits the trope, but like is different. And I think that's why I really like it. So at the last section is going to sort of talk about secret baby trope. And that is very much inspired by buy this mini-sode on Shelf Love, there will be a link in the podcast to that episode because I think it was really cool. And if you haven't listened to Shelf Love, um, I'm sorry, but you're missing out. Um, you need to go and listen because it's really, 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 really great podcast. I love it. Okay, so Caress by Ice, book three. Our uh, main characters are Judd Lauren. He is a psy. Sienna, no, wow, not Sienna, not Sienna. That's 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 his niece, Brenna Shane Kincaid. Brenna is a snow dancer wolf. So, if you've been paying attention, first two books we were with Dark Hunter, the Leopard Pack. We are now getting to really meet, like, really be in sort of. The, the the mix of things in Snow Dancer. And in the first two books, it's Changeling Man, a Psy Woman. In this book, it's Psy Man, Changeling Woman. And it is, this is really fascinating book. Again, it's a early book in the series. So I do think it does a lot 
to sort of expand the reader's concepts of the world and sort of give the reader context for coming problems and issues. Um, But I also think that this book, this book already starts to answer questions that you might have already had within the first two books, right? It's not like she gives you all this information and leaves you with a bazillion questions and waits to like the very end. She's already starting to answer questions. Um, One of the questions I'd had in book two was, okay, Faith and um, Sasha can't have been the only two people or two Sai to have had issues with their silence, to have had a break in the in the protocol. Like, they can't be the only ones. It's been 100 years. Like, so what happens to those people? But what happens to those people who break their silence before they're rehabilitated? And we find out in this book that there is a squad. They're called the Arrow Squad. And part of their... The, their reason for existence is to maintain silence because their leader, their founder, um, was the older brother of two young men who were who had the protocol implemented. Um, and so he wanted to provide, he wanted silence to succeed because he truly believed that silence was the only way that the Psy race would be able to continue to exist and that if they didn't cut out emotion or sort of, you know, suppress it, that they would just literally be a footnote in history because they would obliterate themselves. Um, So, Zaid Adelaja, um, that's how I say it, is sort of the founder um, or the founding father of the Arrow Squad. So in this book, we find out that this was something, that that Judd was an Arrow. And there's a lot of information about his abilities. And you understand as you start reading along and you start to learn more about his abilities, why someone like him, would have been an Arab. And so we have a man who is very set on not breaking silence. He defected because he didn't want to see his family. Um, Ooh, I feel like that might be... I mean, is it a spoiler? Because that was talked about in, like, the first book. But you might be like, but I haven't read that one. Okay, but, like, come on, guys. Like... I haven't read it. I don't know what you want me to do. Okay. He just isn't interested in breaking silence. And then you've got Brenna, who is a wolf. Now, if you read book one, Brenna is the wolf that had been kidnapped by... And... Was it Enrique Santana or Santana Enrique? The crazy man. I'm pretty sure it's Enrique Santana. And the counselor, the evil, cruel counselor... And so she has gone through some, you know, horrific trauma because of, you know, this man um, and the, the the villain in book one. And so to Judd, it's like, well, I mean, I'm exactly like him. So she's not like, 
for me. Um, and obviously, you know, Brenna is kind of like drawn to him and is kind of like, yeah, you know, I mean, but I like you. So, you know, maybe we can try this. And he's kind of like, girl, what? No, we can't. This is, this is a, no, this is, we can't do this. And she's like, but I mean, we kind of can. And he's like, no. And I'm, the haha is mine. Like, he doesn't laugh. <laughs> because, again, no emotion. Um, and so, he, it's Santana Enrique. Sorry, I was looking it up. Which is interesting. Because, like, for me, I'd be like, Enrique Santano. But they're like, no, Santano Enrique. Weird. Um, so, you have these two people. One who's been through a horrific trauma. One who has grown up in trauma essentially because if you think about it to have all of your emotions suppressed and caged is a traumatic experience but that's supposed to be seen as normal and so you've got these two individuals there's a lot happening and in terms of their emotions in terms of how that they can reach out to each other and not wanting to And then on top of that, there's someone who's trying to get Brenna. And at first, we're not sure why someone's trying to get Brenna. Um, I do think it becomes pretty clear pretty early why this individual wants to do away with her. What I think is fascinating is that we don't hear this guy's name until like everyone finds out who it is pretty much to... um, well, like, once he's outed, um, so as opposed to Enslaved to Sensation, when we heard Santeno and, re- like, we meet him as a character, not very early on in the book, but pretty early on, we don't meet the villain, really, um, there, we get to see his thoughts, and it's italicized, and it's clear that it's, he, it's what he's thinking, um, but we don't ever sort of meet and hang out with this individual. Now, what this book also does is, in the first two books, the changelings have been the good guys. The size have been the bad guys, right? Very, almost black and white. This book is like, hold up, hold up, hold up. People are complex. And even if you didn't understand, based on Vaughn's parents and what happened to Lucas's parents, even if you still, you know, were under the impression that, uh, changelings are, like, you know, more or less angels, that's not the case, right? That's not the case, because the villain in this case happens to be a changeling, and, you know, our main character is Sai, and what he's doing, because he's doing other things, uh, not just, you know, falling in love with Brenda, but he's, you know, got his own story, clearly paint him as someone who is fighting for his people. Now, he's fighting for his people from the outside, but he's fighting for his people to have a chance and to not, you know, be destroyed in ways you can't come back from. Um, Because the council is considering not just considering is you know has backed research uh to sort of change things in a way that would make 
every side, you know, essentially a a kind of slave. It's a very, very messed up. And so even though he's on the outside, he's very much like, no, 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 no. I'm going to do whatever I need to do within my skill set, which, you know, based on who he was when he was signed in the net is an arrow. And what is an arrow other than essentially a covert assassin? So this is a really, I think this book, A, it introduces us to Snow Dancer. It introduces us, gives us a better picture of who snow dancers alpha is hawk we meet some of the people that have maybe been mentioned in earlier books but we haven't actually spent any time with them so we spend time with briley we spend time with andrew not that much um and it's okay because they're gonna get their own books um later we meet indigo um and these are important you know people in fact riley is part of um hawk's core guard and Whereas opposed to a dark hunter, they're called sentinels. If you're, you know, that top soldier level in snow dancer, they're called lieutenants. Um, so it's, I thought it was really interesting that like, I mean, it's essentially like the same levels, but because different packs, there's different names for, um, your ranks. Um, we get to meet Sienna, um, Judd's niece and, we have there's small there's a small scene with marley who is also his niece because that's his brother walker's daughter um and so we get to meet more people that we haven't yet met we still get to see you know the leopard pack so if you're like oh my god but like i love lucas you mean i don't get to see any bit of lucas in this book? no you still get to see members of dark hunter because i think what nolini is trying to slowly show you is that a the idea that the council and the sai have that that changeling packs never communicate is wrong now do they communicate to the level that they maybe should who knows but there's definitely communication there's definitely a bond forming between two predatory changeling packs which up until now there's been this sort of idea that they just can't coexist and not only are they coexisting but they are thriving and you, this this the beginnings of this bond are huge because it'll really really mean so much farther down the line in the series so this book is different from you know for the first two books because again we're in a different changeling pack so you get to sort of see how the wolves interact with each other and what makes them you know wolves as opposed to leopards um and then we're seeing a different sort of aspect of the size because we're sort of seeing it from the viewpoint of an actual soldier as opposed to Sasha and Faith, who were non-combatant, and their abilities are non-combatant. Um, Judd's is different. Um, so we, this book is, I think, really, really interesting. It's a lot of emotion, and there are moments where I'm like, oh, this is, I don't like this. This is mean. Um, now, interestingly, this might be one of the few Nalini Singh side changelings i don't like sob like a child like i definitely enjoy this book but i don't i did it doesn't 
it doesn't reach in to my heart, crush it, rip it out, and then, you know, pat it back and breathe life back into it, that doesn't happen. Um, And I wonder if it's because, I mean, what happens to Brenna isn't just like, oh, on the page. It already happened to her. There are moments of sort of, you know, her talking about it, but we aren't sort of brought into what happened. And I'm, I think that's good. This is a romance after all. We're not trying to read that level of depravity of, of literal horror. So it doesn't, I don't, like I said, I don't have that sort of like gut punch. Oh my God. Like, I'm crying. I'm crying. Um, but I do think it's a really good book. And I think that Judd and Brenna are a couple that, to me, it feels like they're two people who, he sees her in a way that, I don't know that other heroes, that's, no, let me, Judd is very focused on Brenna finding her own power not in well let me save her now part of it is they've already saved her i mean she was in a horrible situation she'd been kidnapped she was being tortured they broke in they saved her so the actual physical act of saving her has happened we're now you know we fast forwarded into not fast forward we're now in the present day and that event was in the past she is still struggling, obviously, with the after effects of that um, attack. But as opposed to thinking, and I wonder if it's because as a Psy who is looking at things from a more logical and objective standpoint, as opposed to a purely emotional standpoint, Joda's kind of like, okay, this has happened, but you need to be like yourself you need to push and he isn't just like oh well let me like swing in and make things better for you now part of it is if you think about judge is a fully grown man who has never been in a relationship because again the side don't do this so think of a fully grown man who a is a virgin b has never been in a relationship c doesn't really feel emotion so this isn't a man like the ones that we know, like regular humans, are going to be like, oh, well, I think you should do this. I mean, I ain't never been in a relationship, B. Like, I don't know what you should do. You should do what's best for you. But he isn't basing this on past girlfriends, past ex-wives, past anything. Because that doesn't exist. In this world, this relationship with Brenna is the first time he's allowing himself to feel. Now... There was something that really struck out to me. Um, this idea of loyalty amongst the arrows to maintaining silence and to each other. To me, that sounds like a bond that is kind of emotion. But of course, that's not how they look at it at all. It's like, oh no, we're just doing this for the betterment of the race. But isn't wanting the betterment for the race an emotion? Like, Wanting your people to survive and succeed and thrive. Sure, you're not using the words happiness and joy and love. 
but isn't it still some sort of emotional thought process at its core? So there is definitely, as I'm reading it for the podcast, as opposed to just reading it because I'm like, oh my God, my lady, I'm really seeing how she's letting us know, even though the side were like, we got rid of emotion, but like, not like that because like, they'd be like, we got rid of emotion. There is no emotion. You don't laugh. You don't cry because there ain't no emotion. We had emotionless, you know. And then, of course, they can't sing because they can't feel emotion. And so their voices are flat. Even though that is the thought process, it is very clear that emotion never went anywhere. It was just, just been pushed down. It's been tamped down. It's been, they've tried to crush it. But here's the thing. You can't. So it's going to have to come out somehow some way and this series is showing us the many different ways that emotion is just like i have had enough i have had enough i have had enough um and it's very much like i'm present i'm here and if you thought you was gonna get rid of me you thought wrong you thought hell wrong and so it is really really interesting to see sort of the decisions and and things that different people are making and then there's you know who are sigh and then they're like well it's not about you know emotion it's just this is and i'm like "Mm." (laughs) it's like hold up hold up hold up hold up hold up it is a bad emotion you just won't call it something else so you can you know not be rehabilitated which makes sense I, i mean it sounds terrible i would not want that either um, all right, so I'm gonna pause here, and then when I come back, I'm I'm going to go all in on spoilers. And like I said, if you don't like that, okay, I guess. If you've read the book, come on, listen. And like, definitely, if you have any questions or comments about what you've heard so far, please, please, please hit me up on the Twitters, on the Instagrams. That information will be in the show notes. Um, but I can say it right now. Twitter is at Molesi and uh, Instagram is at S-E-M-V. You're probably going, mm, girl, you said that man fast and I couldn't tell what you said. Don't worry. It'll be in the show notes and you will be able to talk to me then. All right. So I'll be right back. All right, I'm back. I had a sip of my beverage, so I'm my throat is, you know, uh, I was gonna say moist. <laughs> anyway, all right, so now it's caressed by ice with spoilers. <laughs> You're like, oh my god, why is she a crazy? Because I am, and that's what makes life fun. Anyway, Judd is an arrow, and Judd's uh, power, he's a TK, uh, telekinetic. Now, book one, Santana Enrique, the man who kidnapped Brenna and attacked her, tortured her. He was also a TK, a cardinal level TK. So, oh my God, Brenna is interested in a man with the same kind of powers as the man who almost killed her. Conflict number one of so many. 
right? So Judd is a sigh. He doesn't feel emotion uh, the way changelings do. He doesn't think he can give Brenna what she needs. Um, everyone is convinced that after what has happened to Brenna, she needs a changeling who is affectionate, who is full of emotion, who can just sort of, you know, surround her with love and affection and attention. Brenna is fascinated by Judd. Um, and I wonder, there was a part of me that wondered, is she fascinated by Judd? Because if you're attacked by a powerful side, to feel safe, wouldn't you want to, wouldn't you potentially then look to another side um and clearly judd is not just any regular side she of course doesn't know as no one in snow dancer knows uh what what judd actually was when he was in the sign net and what he was capable of she can tell that he is you know not just some like regular whatever side person who just like has a nine to five so i i thought Okay, it makes sense that she is attracted to him because she sees him as um, someone who would be able to protect her if a Psy ever decided to attack her again in a way that other, a changeling man might not be able to. Um, I don't think that that's something, she never vocalizes that, uh, but I do think that subconsciously that might be why she was like, Judd. I mean, it, it it definitely helps that he's supposed to be tall, dark, and motherfucking handsome. But on top of like him just being like oh, ripped, hot, delicious, um, he can keep her safe. And so she's, you know, kind of like, hmm, this guy, ah, oh, yes. And Judd's kind of like Brenna, but Judd is also very much like. I can't do this. I can't be with her. I can't give her what she needs. And I can't break silence. Now, before this book, um, the two side we've met are women. Um, and emotion was A, the bedrock, or not A, emotion was the bedrock of Sasha's powers. So she had no choice. I don't think she ever didn't feel emotion. I think she was able to sort of sublimate it in some ways, but it was always there. It was always present. Emotion literally is like, it is her power. Uh, for Faith as a foreseer, emotion wasn't her power and it definitely was like ready to sort of spring out. Um, but she's able to sort of navigate it. And both of these women have sign powers that aren't combat combative powers they're non-combatant powers judd is a tk and he's not just a regular tk he's a tk cell and you're gonna be like what does that mean a tk cell means he can literally make it seem like a heart exploded like a heart attack because he can move things at the cellular level so that means that he can make anybody look like they died of something natural of natural causes but it was him which is like damn that's some scary shit like what and tk cells are very rare um which interesting for sears rare in the population less than one percent tk cells even rare in the population but i mean it's a book series makes sense so the main reason why Judd is like, I'm never, ever, ever giving up silence is because pre-silence TK cells 
would at some point snap and attack their loved ones. And in the book, it specifically mentions, you know, wives, mothers, daughters, so the women in their life. And I immediately thought of the fact that, you're gonna be like, what? But I immediately thought of the fact Lucas is the hunter for his pack. And uh, because he has to go after rogue changelings. Changelings that allow their animal to take over, go rogue. And what do they do? Also attack their loved ones. And I th- I thought it was really interesting that Nalini Singh is showing us that for these two groups of people, right? Changelings and Psy, who have these who have these abilities, right? They're not just basic human. Allowing that ability to spiral into darkness will always lead to death of loved ones. Now, for changelings, the reason it, that's given is that rogues attack their family because on some level they recognize them, but they know they are never going to be like them and something about them just has them go crazy. And I wondered if there was something similar to that for um the psi except of course none of that information would exist anymore because that would it, it, that would speak to an emotional bond and we got rid of emotion blah 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 so of course all of that has probably been stripped away and no one's ever going to make those sort of connections because oh well we don't have emotion now judd is an arrow and arrows exist because zaid adalaja believed in his parents' vision of silence. His parents um, first used his twin brothers as sort of the guinea pigs' uh, test cases for silence. It works for a time, and then they kill themselves. One kills the other, and then kills himself, and they leave a note behind saying that silence is an abomination, and it will destroy the Psy race. Now, the thing is, at this time... His parents, I don't, it is, I don't recall if it's that they are the leaders in Mercury or just a part of Mercury, which is a cult that believes in silence. Regardless, that cult makes sure that no one ever sees the twin suicide note. And then silence eventually is implemented. And Zaid begins to recruit people to help him get rid of the people who break under silence who can't get rid of their emotions or keep them tamped down and I definitely had had that question I think I had forgotten this part in the book um because I think it's in the prologue that that's that's what happens when you break silence the arrows come for you and no one ever hears from you again and and people don't even know if it's the air you just disappear um, so Judd was one of these people and Judd's story is filled with so much trauma, so much trauma. I mean, again, f- to be sad is to li- literally have trauma thrust upon you from sort of birth, right? And so you've got this guy who's just like, yo, like, I mean, Brenna's great, but like, I can't be the man she needs. Like, I can't, I can't do nothing about I can't hold her. I can't touch her. Like, that's bad. Um, and there was talk of dissonance. Um, no, there was talk of a negative reaction to emotion in the second book, right? Faith does have, um, she feels pain and 
you know, she she collapses and all these issues when she's in the process of breaking silence. In this book, we find out that that's called dissonance. And we find that out because Judd read that in a medical uh, journal that he wasn't supposed to read. And he realizes that the way to implement um, silence in people, um, especially in children, and to have it sort of stay is by using the techniques, um, she mentions Pavlo, of, you know, you're rewarded when you do what you're supposed to do and when you don't you're punished and what's the best way to to sort of make the point of the punishment pain and he realizes that his dissonance is rooted a in his own abilities and it it's literally his ability attacking him every time he feels emotion every time he takes a step towards potentially having something with Brenna. So you've got these two characters, right? And like the conflicts, girl, what? Oh, her brothers, Riley, Andrew, can't stand Judd. Technically are kind of like to all side, but I think they're specifically to Judd because he clearly wasn't just, again, he wasn't a nine to five side and they can see that and they can tell because up until this point, different people in the pack have also been sort of battling him for dominance and he keeps beating up everybody he doesn't hurt people like over the top but he keeps beating up everybody so clearly he has you know combative skills so her brothers don't like him um she wants to try something with him but something is going on with her we realize as we read the book that santana enrique was trying to do stuff he wasn't just torturing these changeling women for the sake of torturing them. Like, it's a female body and let me torture it. He wanted to get into their minds and see... Uh, I think one of the counselors mentions that he was fascinated by changeling women because he thought that they were so strong because the fact that they could handle so much emotion, right? And for the Psy, who are like, oh, emotion is like bad and stupid and pointless... And then you've got changelings being out here, you know, doing, living their lives and being great with emotion. It's like, hmm, but how? So something in the process of what Santano did to Brenna, um, she is able to sort of see snatches of people's dreams. Something that, so it's almost like he awakened uh, a part of her brain that was probably turned off or just not in use. Um, and it's like, not telepathy exactly, but it's something. So Brenna thinks she's going cray cray. Jada's like, you're not going cray cray, blah, blah, blah. Um, and their, their whole relationship is really interesting because as opposed to in, for example, in Faith and Vaughn's book, Vaughn is definitely the aggressor and like, like hella aggressive and some people might be like he was too aggressive how dare he um but he's definitely like faith is mine i will you know like oh my god like and even lucas to some degree was like okay so sasha is like my girl and uh let's see if we can make this work but in this case brenna's the one that's like judd 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 and judd's like girl no i said no I, we can't do this you this ain't gonna work back up I'm not the man for you. 
of course you get to a point they get to a point where she's like really so i can go find some other guy and he's like and the look on his face is like and then i'll murder him and she's like it that that it can't go that like like you you can't say no to me but then not let me choose anybody else and that's i think when he really starts to be like oh maybe maybe um i need to figure this out because oh murder murder with a capital m any other motherfucker that tries to touch her um so it's very clear there, there there's very there's a lot that they sort of have to work through they have to work through her issues they have to work through his issues they have to work through the fact that someone in the pack in the den is trying to kill brenna and you're like what so nalini was like okay in case you guys thought all sigh were bad and all changelings were perfect and good let me remind you once again that that's not the case yes we've been shown Ex- flashbacks essentially examples in the past of changelings being bad the changelings that attacked and killed lucas's parents um vaughn's parents who uh, you know abandoned him and his sister but that's in the past she's like all right well you know in case you wanted to believe that the world was black and white like that when it's not when it's complex and gray here is a present day changely who is literally an eight motherfucking piece of shit so brenna's trying to sort of claw her way out of you know everything that's happened to her and judd at first is like you know i'll help you but like i can't be with you and then eventually is like all right fine i mean and yet it's fascinating because when he first says all right fine I think he's kind of like, this is probably going to kill me, but all right. Like, well, well, one life, I guess. And I was like, wow, okay, Judd, like, damn. Now, Judd is also out here doing his own thing. Um, There's Protocol 1, which the council is trying to find a way to implement, um, oh, I forgot what the word was, Um, implement devices in everyone's brain, basically, so that, like, they're more of like a hive mind, which they currently are not. And you would start this with children. And, but of course this isn't like we are all equal because you know these motherfuckers ain't gonna give up their power. No, there would be people who could command others. So, you know, you'd have two sort of devices, one for like one tier and one for the other tier. And it's like, uh, skirt, skirt, what? So Judd is like, hell no. We get introduced to um, the ghost the ghost is clearly a rebel we aren't sure who the ghost is yet um there are definitely hints and we later find out who he is but at this time we aren't sure who the ghost is but judd is working with the ghost and a human priest to make sure that this protocol never sees the light of day and i thought it was really cool to see judd sort of fighting for his people from the outside um he also is honest with hawk about his abilities to a degree i think it's really interesting because he's honest to a certain point and then um when andrew gets shot andrew is brenna's um older brother not the oldest that's riley so it's riley andrew brenna's the baby andrew gets shot in the chest because someone was trying to kill her and he pushed her out of the way and like his entire chest is like his heart is obliterated but judd is a tk cell 
So what is he able to do? He's able to explode a heart. So he thinks maybe I can put one back together. I'm going to have to move things around, but I can do it. And that's exactly what he does. I mean, it takes like five hours and he literally reaches flame out. A new term that we're introduced to. When side people use all of their power because it is an infinite amount. It is a finite amount. They reach flame out levels. And literally, they flame out and their psychic powers need to recharge. And in that time, they're, they're sorry, ain't no power. Society. What can you do? Um, which he mentions on the sign that you would never want to do that because then you're, you know, vulnerable to anybody attacking you. But like, currently he's in it with his brother and his nieces and nephews. Ain't nobody going to attack him or do anything to him or hurt him. Even then, it's still kind of like because physically he's also he needs to literally sleep for at least 12 hours or more so he's also sort of phys like physically vulnerable um and the first time it happens he which happens because he's trying to protect brenna he goes to his safe harbor is with the priest the second time his safe harbor is with brenna because by that point their relationship has shifted and changed enough that he sees her as a safe harbor so this book really sort of gives us a a really cool angle because like I said we are meeting Snow Dancer truly like in a way that we didn't in the first two books because we're now in the den we're not with the leopard pack we see members from the leopard pack like Lucas is there we see Lucas we see Sasha uh Vaughn pops up but we do we do we do not see like everyone in Dark Hunter and the focus again is um on Snow Dancer. Um the Psy Council is 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 terrible. Um and that doesn't change. It's not like and then we see sort of redeeming factors about them. Ooh, no. No. They're very they do things in this book to try to get the changelings to kill each other. Um they sent hyenas to kill, to attack um, on Snowdancer land, and they're able to leave the scent of the leopards behind. The idea is Snowdancer will show up, smell the leopards, and be like, those motherfuckers betrayed our, you know, blood pact, and go after them and kill them. At the same time, they hit, um, I believe they hit a school or something. Or no, they, they go after... Um, a deer changeling pact. So this is when we realize, oh, changelings just aren't predatory animals. Because in there, you know, in other worlds, in other paranormal paranormal books, uh, where people turn into animals, it's often just sort of predatory animals: wolves, lions, bears, um, big cats like cheetahs, leopards, whatever, stuff like that, cougars, right, or pumas. But like deer, like so, so, so you're a person who turns into a deer. That's it. All right. I mean, cool. So the side cancels like we'll send other people to go butcher the deer and leave the smell of I think it's the scent of the wolves. And apparently they also have um, some sort of like claw like weapon. So it looks like wolf's claws because again, that's supposed to make the leopards believe, oh my god, the wolves are crazy and they just attacked and butchered these deer. 
And then, of course, the two predatory changeling packs that are dominant in this area will then attack each other and then take each other out and the side don't have to do anything but sit back and be like, losers, that's what happens when you try to mess with us. Except what they didn't realize is that like, A, changelings aren't that stupid. So the first part is the hyenas, right, attacked um in snow dancer it was cabin an empty cabin. well it was supposed to be an empty cabin but judd was up there and then brenna had followed him so it was an empty cabin whatever whatever but the thing is changelings are able to smell the hyena the smell of the hyenas just underneath the smell of that they left behind of supposedly the leopards um they're able to get saw one guy i think they're able to kidnap like keep one of them alive one of the hyenas and they end up finding out that like the alpha of the hyena pack basically sold out his pack was told that like if these two take each other out then you can be like the dominant pack and judd lets you know um both lucas and hawk know that there are changeling packs out there that have you know sort of taken bribes or or you know basically been like we won't do anything and help anybody if you just leave us alone to the side to the side council so in this book we start to see the council thinks that they can just get rid of changelings by sort of pitting them against each other but both hawk and luke are two alphas who are like hold up before we go out here and just murder willy-nilly because we think X, Y, and Z happened, let's make sure we got all our facts right. And because they take that moment, they take that sort of step back to be like, wait, it, the, you know, do the dots line up? You know, does, does this, th- is this picture a clear picture? Do we have everything we need? All the information. Um, they're able to realize, hold up, the council's trying to play us. And Judd, being a former hero is like yeah that's exactly what they're doing because if they pick at each other if not only if they get you guys to fight each other but if they strategically attack different smaller changeling family groups might never say something to you then a those groups will hate you and maybe try to take you out and if that doesn't work you guys will hate each other and try to take each other out because the the hyena guy was like you guys like never came because Something happened. I think they came and like killed some of their their young. Which for change is like you, you know, sort of like a rule of of war is like you can attack adults no problem, but you never go for young because like they they they're children. Uh, and so the hyena was like, you never came, and they're like, hold up, what are you talking about? Like we didn't know anything. And then it's like they find out like, um, no, it's this was purposely done by the hyenas sort of alpha who is you know um his punishment is death and that's exactly what happens to him and um what was also really sort of terrifying is the side council had sort of um done a sort of crude um programming like compulsion in a lot of the adult hyenas but also in the children and so some of the children don't make it um, and it's, it is really, like, Judd is really affected by the fact that, like, this council that he used to, you know, work with or for is, is that heinous. I mean, he knows because of, you know, 
so much that he's seen. Um, I've, we learned that he was put on Jax, uh, J-A-X, a drug that was supposed to sort of make things clearer for Sai. But if you're on it for too long, it'll also permanently reroute your mental pathways and uh, you will only be able to follow orders by your handler. And that's it. It's like you lose your own sort of sense of self and sort of become, you know, a perfect soldier that only follows the directions they've been given. And he was able to get himself off of it by basically lying because he started to notice that something was wrong. And so he started to make, you know, mistakes and blame it. Um, and he also mentioned that he was dreaming, which apparently for the side, because they don't feel emotion, they don't dream. Or that's at least the thought process. So there's so much information in this book. Again, this is a book that gives a lot. Now, I honestly think as I'm, like I said, as I'm reading these books now, more so for the podcast, and I'm really, really going in and paying attention. There's a lot of details in all the books because in every single book, she's going to introduce you to a little bit more, a little bit more, and a little bit more information in each book. And I think she does that on purpose so as not to overwhelm you. I mean, the books aren't that long. It's not like we're talking about like thousands of pages. So everything can't come in that in one book, in book two. But the world building, I think, is done really well, really skillfully. Um, and this couple is, it's, I, what I like about, you know, Judd and Barna is they are this, I guess, opposites attract, sort of, you know, she's an emotional changeling female, like she, you know, and she was really bubbly and vivacious. But this was also before the attack. Brenna, after the attack, is a different woman. And I think part of her conflict is some people expect her to be exactly like she was before. And she knows she can't be that woman. But part of her wants to be that woman, but she doesn't know how to get back to that woman. Because again, she cannot go back. You cannot go back and be the person you were before the trauma. That's not how we were. So even though at first everyone sort of assumes that she needs someone sweet, loving, da-da-da-da-da. Her and Judd work because of the fact that he isn't um, overly... Not overly emotional, but he isn't like, I have to save you. He's kind of like, you have to confront your issues. You have to, like, stop dancing around things. Say exactly what the problem is. Don't just be like, well, um, don't hem and haw around it. Um, And I think that ultimately is what works so well for the two of them is that he is like, come on, be, you know, the woman I know you can be. And of course, she's scared, but then she's like, okay, all right, all right, okay, yeah, why not? Um, And so this is, this is a good book. Um, If you're like, well, I mean, be quiet, go read it. You're like, oh my God, Esther, rude. How dare you be like, be quiet. Oh my god, we get to meet Marley, who is so cute. Like, this is Judd's, like, um, niece. And she has, like, this moment with Brenda that's like, <gasps> because she's like, why don't you like me? And Brenda's like, oh my god, what? Child? No, I do. And Brenda's looking at her like, ma'am, don't lie. Don't lie to me. I'm sorry. I can tell. I mean, she doesn't say all that, but it's, it's a really, um, I thought it was also a really interesting moment because... At this point, even with these five side in the den, 
There are definitely still people, especially with what happened to Brenna um, and with all the other changeling women who Santana Enrique did kill, there's still this feeling of like, sigh are terrible, awful, God, gross, and blah. And this book, I think, really is where a lot of people start to realize, mm, maybe, maybe not, because we had a terrible human right here, uh, terrible changeling right here among us, um, and we didn't know, and he was, oof. So, the villain, oh my god, I forgot. The villain is, like, not only is he, like, I think, not only does he sell drugs, but he is the reason why Santino Enrique got his hands on Brenna. Which is like, what? So he didn't just see her on the side of the street and snatch her up. And that's, we find out that's not what happened. Um, Someone in the pack, um, who, you know, wasn't necessarily her friend. He wasn't her friend, but he was packed this idea that pack is everything has sort of been drilled into all of the characters but also into us basically signaled her to come to his car i think to give her her ride or something and then of course she is kidnapped and so originally i think he just assumed like nothing would ever come of that because she would be dead and i'm sure when she was brought home he thought okay but she's not she's not healed or she's shattered so she'll never remember and so as brenna starts to act like her old self in some ways he's like oh god she's gonna remember and of course he knows that if she tells anyone he's dead of course he she doesn't she does remember um and they get the information you know very late um, because I'm sure it's a memory that her mind was completely suppressing because again, this is someone you trusted not to do something like that. For it to have been another random sigh or someone she didn't know, but for it to be someone she knew, someone who uh was close enough that like could steal her brother's clothes, uh um of course this is not that hard um uh, as changelings when they change um they're naked so they cachet clothing all over the place so if you come in in your wolf form and then you transform back into human you got clothes to put on usually can't just run through the dead naked it's like nah girl nah girl nah that's not what we do here um so i it was very fascinating to me though how we don't get this guy's name until the very end his name is dieter dater dieter whatever i'm gonna call him dieter and Dieter, like, it's not like early on in the book, it's like, Dieter, what, you know, nothing. We get his thoughts, right, and it's all in italics, but we don't really meet him ever. So we don't ever sort of feel conflicted, like, oh, but Dieter was, like, helping, like, little Ben or something early in the book. Nope. Every instance that we ever see or, he- like, that we hear his thoughts, they're shitty, terrible thoughts, and you're just kind of like good i'm glad he's gone motherfucker motherfucker like you're just like awesome this he was a terrible person and he deserved to die and i'm glad he's dead um so she doesn't try to like humanize him and make him nope it's like this one is a bad apple and he must go and that's exactly what happens it goes bye bye um now one thing that i think uh for future books judd obviously being a virgin has to do a lot of research about what sex for changelings and humans is like because again virgin sigh they don't do that 
and he does a lot of research. And I'm just like, I thought it, it was really interesting because I don't, I know when I read the book, I didn't think about it, but his research will come in really handy in future books for other characters in the same position as him. And so I'm just, as I was reading, I kept thinking, oh my God, you have no idea that like this research that you did for yourself is going to come in so handy for other characters that you'll know about or will meet later on. And that is like kind of hilarious and amazing Um, that like Judd is sort of like the go-to for like tips on how to like handle sex and emotion and all of that when you've been an arrow slash sign have never ever done any of that and don't know how but also like don't want to hurt the person you're with um, i was like ah, ha, ha, you are the expert yes yes john john Lauren. sex expert uh, you know he could put out a shingle you know i'll be like come sit with me i will i will show you the ways not show tell you Um, but I really, this is a, this book really is like, okay. And this book, like, I love Snow Dancer. Like, I love Snow Dancer. Probably because, like, ever since I was a kid, I really liked wolves. Um, and so I was just like, oh, yes, wolf pack. What? Wolf pack. Yes. So this, this is like, and like, Hawk sounds so awesome. And his interactions with Sienna immediately had me being like, hmm? Uh, excuse me? What What is this? What is this? So, I mean, he gets his own book. It's a ways away. We're only on book three. I think his book is 11? 10? It's a ways away. It's, it's not the next one. So, we're going to get to see a lot of Hawk on our way to his book. Um, Riley's gonna get his own book. His is not that far away. We're on three. He is book six. So, it's coming up. Andrew, or also known as Drew, also gets his own book. Indigo, she gets her own book. Who else did we meet that gets... Walker does... I Walker gets a novella, and it's really sweet. It's so sweet. Oh, I love it. Uh, who else have we met so far that gets a book? Oh, we don't really talk about him in this book, um, but the next book is a uh, Dark Hunter, um, Sentinel Clay Clay Bennett. So we met him in the book too. Uh, do we see him at all in this book? I don't think so. We do meet, or we do. There is interaction between Brenna and Dorian, and Judd is a bit jealous. Um, at, not jealous, but like, oh my god, I can't believe she's having to reach out to him when, like, she should have reached out to me in kind of moment. Um, and Dorian's book is, I think, book four? No, five. Yes, because I think it's Clay, then Dorian, then Mercy with Riley. Yes, I think so. Anyway, um, it's just, I love that we've met a bunch of characters and their books are coming and you're like, and if you've never read the series, right? And you're reading along with the podcast, do you know how lucky you are that you don't have to like wait a year for the next book? Like you have, I mean, assuming, I mean, you will come June if you like finish all the books by the time June hits with me, but you know, 
it's okay. It's only a year. And in the meantime, there are, she has another two series you can read um, to fill up the rest of the year. So, <laughs> you're like, oh my god, Esther. I'm just saying. Oh, and there are like a bunch of novellas for Side Changeling that are also, I think, really well done. I might actually do an episode of just novellas, but that'll probably be after Alpha Knight comes out. Yeah, I think so. All right, so I'm going to pause here and uh, I will be back with the last part of the podcast for this week. Okay, thank you. All right, so for this last little section, um, today I was listening to the Shelf Love mini-sode with Kinney about secret baby trope and they were talking about it because she really loves them and there are people who really really hate them and it got me thinking about this romance I've read called The Wrong Mirror by Emma Darcy um and I've read it a few times right um and today I actually decided to like look it up on Goodreads and it was published in October of 1987 it's a Harlequin Presents um which I was like damn because I I mean it does there are moments that feel a little bit dated obviously because you know things like cell phones aren't in the book but it I don't think I thought it was that old um of a book but so I bring it up because so the premise is that the heroine um whose name is hold on let me find that for you even though I had it just up right now. So Karen um, Aylward or, or Alward, whatever, um, is raising her son, right? And her son's father, Hal Chisholm, who's a, you know, a newspaper magnate or whatever, um, is the father. And you're like, oh, how could Karen not tell him? Wait, wait, wait. Because technically, Karen's son isn't her biological son. Karen's son is a son she adopted from her twin sister, Kirsty. Her twin sister, Kirsty, had a relationship with Hal. She got knocked up. She tells her sister he doesn't want anything to do with the baby. And she wants to go. She was also, I believe, a journalist. She wanted to go back out on the road. So Karen's like, well, I'll adopt him and give him the stable home that he deserves and needs. Then Kirsty is it dies in a terrorist attack. Um I don't remember what country they are in, but both Hal and um Kirsty are injured. Kirsty dies and before she dies, what does she do but tell Hal about his son? So Hal comes back to I don't remember was the United States or somewhere else and is like where's my son if you want to have to be in his life at all you'll marry me and karen's kind of like you're a monster and you didn't want anything to do with your son and hal's all like i didn't know i had a son and she's like what please my sister wouldn't lie so it's a secret baby trope right there is a baby that the father didn't know about but the woman raising the baby isn't the biological mother and the adoptive mother was under the impression that he just didn't want his kid that he just didn't want him 
So, and of course, Kirstie is dead. So they can't be like, bitch, what the fuck was you thinking? Because she did. Um, so I really enjoy, I remember the first time I read it in the few, I really enjoyed it because obviously it's a uh, marriage of convenience and enemies to lovers because Karen is like, he's good to, you know, he's going to steal my son from me. He's terrible. He hurt Christy so terribly. Like he, he isn't the right man. So she can't stand him. He's like, bitch, you're not going to keep me away from my son. And I don't care what I have to do. You know, he can always get another mom kind of thing. So these are two characters who can't stand each other. He forces her into the marriage. So it's a marriage of convenience. And then, of course, the secret baby. So it's like three tropes in one. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And, of course, they, you know, fall in love. It's the romance. Come on. It's Harlequin Presents. Um, and I think... I don't remember. I think Hal mentions something about Kirsty saying, you know, she was the wrong mirror. Or something along those lines, which is why the title. And it's this idea that Kirsty knew on some level that her sister would have been her identity. Because, the, oh, they're supposed to be identical twins. Um, it's just a whole concept, except like they dress differently, so they don't look the same or something like that. So there was this whole idea that like Kirsty knew on some level that this man would have been perfect for her sister, but she loved him and so wanted to be with him. But also couldn't be like like she knew she couldn't be the right woman for him because there were certain things he was looking for that she wouldn't ever be able to provide. But her sister could have. Um, and so part of me, I'm sure the first time I read it, I was like, oh, my God, but she's somehow like matchmaking from the grave on some level, like by letting him know about his own son. Now I'm like, nah, she probably just felt bad and she knew she was dying. She was like, I should tell him. Um, not thinking of like, you know, the kind of upheaval and trauma that that would mean for her sister and her actual son. Um, but I really enjoyed it. And I've definitely read Secret Baby Trope where like the woman reaches out and his family or, you know, someone makes sure that he doesn't get the information and he finds out about his child later. Um, I've read some where the woman's like, I'm not telling him, like, he doesn't deserve to be a father. Um, and I, I mean, I've read them. I don't think I've enjoyed them. It's interesting because if I think about it, I don't think I've read a single secret baby trope in the last few years. But I definitely read them when I was younger. And I wonder if I really enjoyed Secret Baby when I was younger because I didn't really think of sort of the ramifications of, like, not telling someone that they're going to be a parent, a father, basically. Um... And something that was brought up in the shuffle of episode, like, uh, hello, contraception, like, what? Um, which, obviously, as we've moved, f you know, into the present day, that always comes up sort of in, you know, all the romance that I read, you know, either condoms are used or it's brought up, like, we could use them, but someone's on the pill, da 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 But there's, you know, it's not like, well, we just had unprotected sex and then I got pregnant from one night stand and then, you know, it, it, because there is, because authors are like, no, I'm, I'm writing into my story, the conversations of consent and protection. It's a lot harder to be like, well, she just ended up pregnant by accident kind of thing. Um, the ones that I do think are interesting, the ones I think that I do enjoy are things like, let's say the heroine, um, oh, and Kenny brought up the fact that she doesn't think that this 
or she hasn't seen, and I also haven't seen this trope outside of uh, cis heterosexual couples, which I mean, it would, but now I'm thinking you could definitely do secret baby, um, with, you know, other sexualities. It would just obviously look different, but I, now I'm wondering if someone has done it and if they have what it looks like and now I want to read it. But anyway, um, I was also thinking like, I do, for example, like the ones where like, like, what if you have a one night stand with like a Marine and then he goes on a mission and you don't know where he works because he's a Marine and he didn't tell you or name seal or whatever. Um, those make sense to me. Like I wanted to reach out, but like, I had no idea how to find this man. Um, celebrities, that was a bit harder for me to sort of swallow, like, okay, but you could Google them? So I feel like pre-Google, it could have been like, I have no idea how to get in contact with, like, the shooting, you know, hockey, the rising hockey star, or whatever. But, like, in 2020, ma'am, if you don't Google this man's name, and then, like, contact the team, and then, like, you know, like, I, you know, we can figure that out. But again, but if it, if the story is, there was, I don't think it was a secret baby. I think it was one of those, like, we have, like, a one-night stand and we don't exchange names and then meet later. But that's another example of how being able to sort of do the secret baby trope where it's like, so I was in Vegas and I had a one-night stand. The stranger. And I'm knocked up. Like, how would you go about tracking down that person? Let's say you never took pictures with them. Like, I mean, is it possible? Yes, of course. But it would be difficult. Um, Now, the ones where it's like, oh, he said he never wanted kids, so I just didn't tell him. Mm, I mean, mm, mm. that's that's a little bit. If there's really, really, really good backstory for that i can sometimes be like okay but sometimes i'm like okay really like you would have just picked up the phone like, why didn't you send him a letter like you know like those get a little bit weird but it isn't a trope that i'm like burn it to the ground no um i can enjoy it but it needs to be done sort of like a f- interesting way like it can't just be like she just didn't want to tell him what what now, I'm not one of those people who's like, well, she should tell him so she should get child support. Yeah, but then you get child support. And then, like, if you want to leave the country with your kid, you got to get permission from him. I'm like, sir, bye. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, but the thing is, like, are you suffering and, like, completely destitute? <gasps> oh, shit. I just remembered another one that, like, I enjoyed but was also like, what the fuck? Okay don't know if I've mentioned before that I'm a big Diana Palmer fan. If you're like, Esther, Diana Palmer is problematic. Okay. Um, I've read a lot of her backlist, if not all. Um, And she is very much... She's set in her ways. She's an older author and she's just like, "Uh, my books have characters that are white, Native American, or Hispanic everybody else uh, in my corner of my made-up town in Texas, y'all don't exist. 
nevertheless, I've enjoyed a lot of her books. Crap, I don't remember the title of this book and it's gonna bother me. Anyway, what, there is a secret baby. Um, the character, she is her boss's assistant, I believe. And he, does he work for the FBI? I think he does. Anyway, what ends up happening is she doesn't know this um, and he doesn't know until after. He goes somewhere. I believe he doesn't drink. I'm trying to remember if it's that he doesn't drink or if he gets drugged. Something happens. So he, he is, you know, not sober. But she isn't aware of this. He comes on to her and she's been in love with him forever. So she's like, okay, they, you know, you know, have sex, make love, whatever. And then the next day it's like, he has no recollection of this because he was not sober and she gets knocked up. And she's kind of like, how am I supposed to tell him that like, he is set, like that this happened because she wasn't aware at the time that he was out of his, you know, like not in his right mind this comes out after and i don't know if it comes out after she is already pregnant which i mean would be um damn i wish i remembered what book this was because i did enjoy it and so he has no like literally no idea that this child is his and i think like um no that's not the one i'm like literally searching for it on goodreads like maybe it'll come up um i mean there's a no it's not that one oh anyway that is a secret baby trope in that she doesn't want to tell him because she Part of her is worried that he will be, he will beat himself up and think that he took advantage of her. And she doesn't want that. She also doesn't want him knowing that she's been in love with him, which is why she allowed him, you know, to seduce her kind of thing. Because she's like, uh, if he knows that I'm in love with him, like, he won't, like, let me work with him. And that's not cool. I'm trying to think of why it all comes out. Part of it is I think they have to spend time together because I think she puts together some information for one of his cases and it's kind of like clear. And so the, the people that are going after him are like want to sort of come after her. So it's like, okay, well you'll be safe with me on my estate or whatever and I think they do try to target um the child and so it's very but it it was very sort of interesting concept that like um the reason why this happens is because like they had this one night when he was out of his mind but not like belligerent right he's just like hasn't and she has no idea because the one thing that diana palmer loves doing is making everybody like all the women are so so innocent and just you know waiting not necessarily like purposely waiting for the the right man but they're just like good women and the men are tortured and don't believe in love and 
it, it can get a bit much, especially if you read a lot of her. Like, I read a lot of hers back to back. And at times I was like, I don't know which book I'm reading because it seems really similar to this other book. So, like, which one is it? And yet, I mean, she was, um, she wasn't my first introduction into romance, but like, I definitely remember, um, reading a lot of hers and I did really enjoy it. So I'm like, I wish I could remember. Hmm. I wish I could remember the title, but that was another secret baby that I thought was like interesting because I mean, what would you do if like you and your boss, right? Who you've been in love with this whole time have like this one night and you think that this means he's in love with you. And then the next day he has no memory. And then later you find out he was high as a kite and you're just like, what? Like, I don't think that I would necessarily be like, bitch, do you know what you did? Because it also becomes a question of like, he said, she said, right? There's, there's, there's no um, proof of it. So he could have easily been like, girl, if you don't stop lying on my name and like, you know, ruined her, which, you know, in the, the small towns that these books take place in is, you know, sort of can have sort of an impact of like, oh, no. Um, so I did think that that was a really sort of interesting concept on um, Secret Baby. Um, so, yeah, if you are out there and you're listening, you're like, I fucking hate Secret Baby. I'm so sorry. Um, if you do like Secret Baby, I mean, check out The Wrong Mirror by Emma Darcy. I, I really did enjoy that. Um this idea that like this one man I mean I think part of why I like it is like I mean things obviously didn't work out with Kirsty um but they do with Karen and you might be like but they're sisters I mean yeah but it's not like he met both of them and then like dallied with Kirsty and then when Kirsty died was like well I guess I'll pick Karen he had never met Karen because Karen didn't live the same life that her sister did so he does it's not like he already knows Karen and then ends up falling in love with her. Karen is a completely new person to him. Yes, she looks like um the other woman, but it she isn't her and I think um she does a good job of getting that point across so you're not just like but like he just transferred his affections from one of them to the other one. It's like no, that's not what he did. Um or not yeah exactly not what he did so yeah i it isn't always gonna work but it can sometimes work and if you haven't read if you haven't read if you haven't listened to that mini so i mean i think it's like 20 minutes so you can just literally oh you know what you can do like take a take a quick walk you know like get get some steps in get closer to you know some ten thousand steps for the day and listen to the podcast and you'll love it you'll love it um I, it's a really really good one and i really enjoyed it and i really enjoyed this little mini-sode and i'm looking forward to other mini-sodes because they're like fun little bites they're like oh wow i was about to repeat myself like um 
anyway all right so i'm sure i've been talking for way too long you're like easter i'm tired time to wrap it up all right so i'm wrapping up um i don't know what i'm talking about next week oh before that uh when this episode comes out it'll be february 3rd february 3rd uh on my blog love essie um i'm going to be part of the blog tour for ruby lang's um house rules which comes out february 10th so if you want to read an excerpt of the book you can on my blog on monday i'm really really excited i've never done this before um but i'll be doing it for the first time so definitely check out the blog um i will post that in the show notes also hearts on hold by cherish reed is out on february 3rd and if you're like oh my god after it's black history month but i have no idea like where to find books by black authors well here's here's one cherish reads hearts on hold you you can you can just buy it february 3rd <laughs> you can start with one um you could listen to my other podcast uh to episodes to find out about other authors but in case you're like oh that's really hard um i'm gonna post uh in the show notes some other authors that you can check out their latest books so yes check out my blog for an excerpt of house rules by ruby lang uh if you're like what is that so it is i believe book four and just think new york state real estate love oh and it's so the, the the couple, they are exes, I believe ex-wife and ex-husband, who decide to move in together for like, you know, to save on costs because New York City is so expensive. And then of course, like the feelings that pop up or come back or filter in, I don't know. And like, boom, chicka, boom, chicka, wow, wow. Um, you know, I mean, to be, I thought this was awesome because do you know how many people in the city are in? I'm doing air quotes of relationships, but it's really just so that they can like afford their home because it's so expensive. If you don't live in New York City and you know you rent a two bedroom for less than two grand, lucky you, okay, v- lucky to you. But here in New York City, that is, <laughs> girl, that is so hard. So there are definitely people out there who are shacking up with significant others significant exes because it's like well i mean it's expensive we know millionaires so so i'm very excited for um house rules and like i said hearts on hold by cherish reed is out february 3rd and you're like but i don't know what that's about there is a hot librarian who has tattooed arms and a man bun and a beard tattooed arms man bun beard he's taking care of his niece while her mom is like you know furthering her career i'm just like yes and he's gonna get it on with a professor of children's literature literature there's a really a spicy scene in the stacks that's right spicy scene stacks so yes hearts on hold february 3rd same day as this podcast on a monday to make your mondays better excerpt of house rules i almost said house lang house rules by ruby lang on my blog also february 3rd 
All right, so uh, have a wonderful, wonderful day, rest of your day. Be kind to yourself. Um, Drink water. I keep forgetting to drink water, and then I'm like, I feel so dry. And then I'm like, because it's been six hours and you've had zero water, loser. So please don't don't do what I do and drink water um, and keep yourself hydrated so that you know your skin can stay fresh and supple, and you too can stunt on them hoes. All right, guys. Bye. <laughs>